This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. We're getting into this week's top headlines. Republicans on New Hampshire's Executive Council have blocked state funding for reproductive health centers for the fourth time in a year. Counselors did approve funding for a vaping prevention campaign. And Granite Staters participate in a photography project that aims to uplift trans and non-binary youth. Joining me now to talk about all of this and more are NHPR's Ali Pham and New Hampshire Bulletin's Anne-Marie Timmons. Good morning. Good morning, Rick. Good morning. I want to get to, get right to the Executive Council rejecting a million dollars in contracts again for Planned Parenthood of Northern New England, uh, Lovering Health Center in Greenland, and Equality Health Center in Concord. Ali, can you tell us more about these reproductive health centers? Who do they serve and what kind of care are they providing? Yeah. So, I mean, I think a lot of times these these three health centers are, frankly, in our headlines because they provide abortion services. But, you know, they really provide a lot of different types of, of care. So that includes with this particular funding that was ahead of the council would have supported. So things like STD testing, uh, cancer screenings, contraception. They also provide um, gender affirming care and um, some primary care services. Um And, you know, for a lot of low-income or uninsured residents, for example, Planned Parenthood provides sort of free uh, annual well checks um, and birth control, among other services. Emory, Republican counselors have approved funding for these same services at other New Hampshire clinics, but not for these three. Now, what was their stated reason? I think it's good to start with that these clinics are exactly the same as the ones Allie just described in all the basic reproductive health care that they provide. The difference is they do not provide abortions, but under some changes with federal rules, they are now allowed to answer questions about abortions if patients have them or refer patients to abortion providers. And we're going to see that be a problem, I'm sure. Uh, We saw Counselor David Wheeler. He was alone in voting against these contracts. And in the past, he wasn't quite clear about it this week, but he has said it's because they do provide those referrals. And after this vote, we saw Cornerstone Action, which opposes any kind of funding for abortion, come out pretty strongly and saying, like, these are the next ones. We have to, to we have to also defund these clinics. Now, the Department of Health and Human Services conducted an audit last year to confirm that the money would not fund abortion services at these clinics. That was not enough to persuade the Republican counselors. Allie? Right. Yeah, the the department did look at this particular funding and um, conclude in an audit that that this funding is not going towards abortion services, which is um, something that Republican counselors had brought up as a concern in in the past. Um, You know, I think... Anne-Marie just just mentioned something that Councillor Wheeler brought up that seemed to be a concern for him. Um, Republican Councillor Ted Gatzis seemed to be uh, concerned that um, these contracts would increase um, the number of minors who were accessing Plan B, and health officials really had to remind him that um, that is is protected in in state law. You know any. A minor can go into a, a pharmacy and and get Plan B. That is not something that these that rests on on these contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, Emory, what did Governor Chris Nunu have to say about this on Wednesday? I know he's been in support of these contracts. He has, and this is the fourth time he's brought them forward. I, I think more clearly than I've heard him say before, he he finally just said these are not going to get through this council, and we asked. Does that mean this council has to change, and would you play a role in that? Because we did see him this week call on uh, 
other state reps involved in a, a, a dust-up with Gunstock to step down. Um, but he stopped short of that. He said, I will not campaign against, campaign for, campaign for somebody else over one issue. And he sees these contracts as one issue. I, I will say he's also divided with them pretty significantly on their refusal at times to support COVID funding uh, with vaccine outreach. So it's not just been one issue, it's been two, but he seems unwilling at this point to say, I'm going to play an active role in replacing them. Yeah. And I guess also worth pointing out that for years, these contracts were not controversial. They were going right. through the the executive council with, with no problem. That's right. That's right. Both when both the council was democratically controlled and Repo- Republican controlled, correct? Uh, the state's top health official, Department of Health and Human Services Commissioner Lori Shibonet, ha- has fought for counselors to approve this funding um, the past three times it's come up. And, and she had some things to say this week. Allie, what was she saying? Yeah, I mean, I think the point that she was really making here is that by barring this f- funding, the the counselors were really disproportionately impacting low-income grant staters. I mean, this particular program um, that this funding was for was for things like, again, you know, STD testing, cancer screenings and contraception for over 16,000 low income granite staters. And, you know, her point was when we pull this funding, that's who this is going to to impact the most. It's morning edition on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with New Hampshire Bulletin's Amory Timmons and NHPR's Ali Pham. If you've got questions about what's going on in the state and would like to inform our reporting, you can email us at voices at nhpr.org. Now, the Executive Council on Wednesday did vote to approve a contract with the company to promote vaping prevention and treatment for preteens and adolescents. Uh, Anne-Marie, can you tell us more about what happened there? Yes, the the, um, state's chief public health official told counselors in argument for this money that 36% of students reported vaping and 50% of 12th grade boys uh, reported vaping. And she said studies have really shown that if you start using tobacco at age 13, 14, um, in her words, you're setting yourself up for a lifetime of addiction. And so this is um, 2019 data from what's called the Youth Risk Behavior Survey. She expects the 2021 data to be available soon, doesn't expect a change in that. Um, and just quickly, this is the same survey that we saw come under fire by Republicans this session. They wanted to make it much harder uh, for students to be able to take it. They felt there wasn't enough parental oversight on it, though parents can opt their student out, students out. And this is an example of what pa- of state officials and others say is important about this survey. It gives them data to then go after some funding for you know, health crisis issues. Right. And what, what do we have for data here in New Hampshire? What are state health officials saying that we do know about vaping? This this is the 2019 data that we know from students. So these are New Hampshire students that take this anonymous survey, and they say, you know, 36% of them said, I vape, uh, and half yeah. of the 12th grade boys said they do. It'll be interesting to see the 2021 data. I think it should be out soon, um, according to uh, Trish Tilly from the Health, Department of Health and Human Services. And I, I just can't imagine that's going to change. Right. Yeah. Uh, Allie, I want to talk about a story that you were working on this week. You wrote a—this was a very nice story about a photographer, Jesse Frieden, who's been traveling around the country for a photo project called Are You Okay? And he recently stopped in New Hampshire. Tell us more about that project. 
Yeah, so this project was um, really Frieden's response to the wave of anti-trans legislation that has been sweeping the entire country, and that includes um, laws that ban um, young people's access to gender-affirming medical care um, or takes away um, you know, their ability to choose what bathroom they use or what sports team they play on. Um, and so this this photo project, Frieden partners with um, sort of local community centers that are, are queer friendly, and he photographs young trans and non-binary youth. Um, oh, and the sort of background of these portraits are family members chosen or biological um, who who support these young people. And what were you hearing from the people who were able to, to participate here in, in New Hampshire? They found being a part of this project to be I- incredibly meaningful. And, um, you know, I think what's what's interesting about Frieden's process is it's not just taking the photos. He also sits down with um, the young people and their, their family members to sort of talk about these laws. Um, and, you know, I think in holding those conversations, Frieden does a really sort of wonderful job both giving space to hold pain and also to hold hold hope. It was a really nice story. It was, it was such a nice project to see. Yeah, yeah. yeah really definitely was. like worth listening yeah. to to meet the New Hampshire families who, who participated and in this. And we need more of those stories, indeed. Uh, I want to get to one more story briefly and uh, turn to Anne-Marie. The state purchased Hampstead Hospital in June to transform the facility into an expansive residential treatment center for kids and young adults. Now, the Department of Health and Human Services is seeking input from the public and mental health providers on that project. Emory, what kind of feedback is the state looking for here? Top of the list is just how involved the state should be in running it. Uh, They're looking at every option. So the state runs it completely. They give it all control over to a private entity, or they somehow share that in varying degrees. So that's that's a big question there. But they also are looking to hear from people who have lived experience, maybe interacting with Hampstead Hospital, their mental health system. You know, should it be beyond ages 5 to 25, which is what they're looking at? Um, how do we make sure that it's high-quality care? Uh, what do families need to, to feel confident in it? And the public comment period is open until the 24th. Um, if anyone wants to comment, you 24th could, of August. 24th yep. of August. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could go on the DHH website and under doing business with DHHS. It's a little convoluted. Um, I think you could also maybe get there if you Google DHHS Hampstead and bids maybe. Okay. Well, there's a <laughs> chance for you to, to weigh in if you can wade through the the uh, website bureaucracy there. Uh, I want to ask you both before we, we end the recap this week, what's next in your reporting? Um, what are you working on right now? What can listeners expect from your reporting in the next week or so? Ali, let's start with you. Mm, well, I'm not sure this will be out in the next <laughs> week exactly, but um, one thing I've been working on is looking at um, a um, peer support mental health center that has been trying to open up a a new program to sort of, you know, expand and and help build the state's mental health infrastructure. And they've run into a lot of um, barriers in their city, um, including zoning, and really basically have failed to to open this program they were hoping to. So at some point in the fairly near future, we hope. Yes. Okay. We'll be watching for that. Emory, how about you? I'm also looking at a mental health issue. Um, the military community in the state feels like um, 
a large number of the mental health providers that they go to don't really have an understanding of military culture, um, especially of one of the providers that they rely on more than others given their military ins insurance. So there's going to be an effort to try to really educate providers about that so they understand those specifics. I think a big one, Every stigma affects everyone, but I think it can be particularly hard in the military culture. So I'm looking at that. Okay. We'll be watching for that. Thank you very much to both of you. Uh, another story, by the way, to keep an eye on, two members of the board that oversees the Belknap County-owned Gunstock Mountain Resort are facing calls for resignation from fellow commissioners and county leaders. A big story this week. Now, our senior political reporter, Josh Rogers, is following this story. You can stay tuned here on NHPR and our website to learn more about that. We do have some reporting up there now. We'll have much more to come in the following days. So something to keep our ears and eyes on. Uh, Allie and Emery, I want to thank you both for coming in. NHPR's Allie Pham, New Hampshire Bulletin's Emery Timmons. And uh, we look forward to uh, sharing more of your reporting. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You can find more of their work and all of the stories that we talked about this morning at nhpr.org and at newhampshirebulletin.com. And we are here next Friday with more top headlines. I'm Rick Ganley. This is Morning Edition from NHPR.